Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander-Inman, board-certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Now today joining us is Sarah Deacon, somebody who I wish I had uh, her services from the time I had my first baby because she's a life balance coach for better adulting. She's also a black belt martial arts instructor, an artist, a wife, a mother of three. She enjoys painting and drawing and writing a crochet and occasional basket weaving and exploring new ways to express herself. So how do you do all of that (laughs) and have children? (laughs) I don't do it all at the same time. That's the, that's the key. (laughs) (laughs) So important because that's what, you know, that's what people, when I read all of that, I'm like, how, but exactly Mm -hmm. putting that into perspective makes a big difference because other people might be wondering how the heck does she do it? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I look at other people and go, wow, they are doing so much. And I don't even think about it anymore because it's a slow evolution. It's a process of adding a little, a little side project here or a little other thing over here. And, and with the crafts, I, I tend to revolve. I'm not a, I'm not a specialist in any of any one of those crafts. I, I go where the mood strikes me sometimes it's just, it just feels really good to sit and watch a movie and crochet. And sometimes it's like, no, I need a bigger, more involved project. Let me get this giant canvas and start something. So yeah, it just kind of depends on the the mood that I'm in. Gotcha. And you give yourself grace, right? You're not so rigid with it. It's just absolutely awesome. Nice. Yeah. I used to, I used to think that I needed to be all in on one thing in order to be, you know, successful, whatever that means. And over the years I've embraced the fact that I just don't, I just don't work that way. It's not who I am. And I can be just as successful embracing my, my flow, my creative flow that as I, as I could be, if I doubled down on, on just one thing. So. Awesome. So you gave yourself grace, which is amazing because a lot of parents don't, we always feel Mm -hmm. like we should be doing something. And that something usually is tied to parenting. Mm -hmm. It's not often tied to doing something that we want to for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you do those things for yourself, is there any guilt attached to it? Oh yeah. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and again, I I've learned through practice that there doesn't need to be, and doing, doing for myself helps me serve my family better when I get cared for, when I care for myself and, you know, the buzzword is self-care and it's, you know, that's a thing, but it's, it's self-honoring. It's, it's something really important because if, if you're constantly flowing outward, then you're never going to fill back up to, to keep being able to flow out, you know, to, into the other people that you care about. So, yeah, I, I have learned that I deserve just as much love and attention as my family does. Uh, and they and don't feel I, guilty. They don't feel guilty when they take time for themselves. No, <laughs> I, I have three sons and a husband, you know, and I don't know if it's a man thing, but there's a difference between me and them mm-hmm. in, in the feelings. And maybe it's because I'm in my own head and I'm not in their head. But there seems to be a difference where they just kind of don't even think about it, just taking time for themselves, just doing what they want to do. And it's great and it's beautiful. And I learn from them. I learn from them how 
just natural it is and how it can be for me too. Right. And I think too, it's not necessarily just the men, it's just children in particular in, mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. um, because children, they're focused, they're so creative. They're always thinking they're not, they're not so boxed in. Mm-hmm. Whereas we put ourselves in a box. And I think if we were to live more like children, we would pro- in some ways, you know, yes, they'll be responsible, but tap into that inner child. We'd have so much more fun. Oh my gosh. I love to play. I love to play. It's one of my favorite things. And you know, you, you mentioned my, my tagline or title or whatever, the life balance for better adulting. And the, the word adulting is a recent part of our vocabulary. Right. And most of the time when you hear or see the word adulting, it's about something like that's really hard to do, or I don't want to adult today. And I like, I think it's part of my mission to make adulting fun because I'm having a great time adulting in my way and making my choices and creating a life that I love living. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Any of your listeners can do it too. You know, embracing the joy of our children and the joy of being ourselves and shining as ourselves and, you know, adulting, being fun and being playful and not being so heavy and stressful and guilt-ridden all the time. Because I mean, if that's what we're here for, I don't want any part of that. (laughs) I want to play. I'm here to play. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to enjoy my life. Yeah. And that's what it's about. I, you know, funny you just saying that reminds me of when uh, my sons and I, I was newly divorced and my sons and I moved to a new neighborhood and we were outside having a water fight and somebody came up and asked if I was their sister because they couldn't imagine that their mother was mm-hmm. out having a water fight <laughs> with them, mm-hmm. you know, and we just had a great old time. We do things. And there were some days, honestly, just for fun. I was just like, don't call me mom today because I don't feel very responsible. Like we're just, you know, I'm letting them be <laughs> silly. Like we're in a restaurant or something and they have me just almost rolling on the floor and, you know, they'd ask me, like, because they started to get it. So that's like, do we have to call you mom today? Like, no, not a good time. Because here we're playing tag in an airport, you know, or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just doing silly nice. fun things. And I was like, no, don't, because, you know, it just wouldn't be a good look. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear that 100%. And it's so funny you, you go into this line because I as you mentioned in my bio, I teach martial arts and I'm a, I'm a karate instructor. All three of my boys also train in karate. So there was one, one class where my oldest son was also on the floor assisting instructing and we're teaching three and five-year-olds. And I'm like, okay, here's, here's the new person in, in the class. The, the other instructor who's helping is Mr. Deacon. And, you know, they know I'm Mrs. Deacon and they're like, it blew their minds when they realized that I was his mother, because again, like they can't imagine their own mother necessarily. Most of them, you know, some of them have playful parents because it's a great community of, of playful people. And I love it. Um, it's one of the things I love about being in that community. And, you know, these three, four five-year-old kids are like, what you're, you're a mom and you're do karate. You're a black belt. What is going on? So yeah. And it's, and it is, and I just love playing. I love teaching the little ones and I, 
yeah, it's, it, it is kind of hard to balance sometimes because, you know, you have to be responsible and set limits with kids. And sometimes they just push it in such a way that you just can't help but crack up and just, you know, drop the whole <laughs> facade of being, oh, I have to be the enforcer. I have to be the mom now. <laughs> right. And, and that sometimes even just makes it better and, and reinforces the connection that we have. Absolutely. And that's the thing, like being rigid all the time, because, you know, there are times I start off really serious with my kids and then they'd say something or do something and I'd bite my lip to, you know, to try to prevent from laughing. And like there are times I was just like, you know what, I I just give up, (laughs) you know, because maybe they made a really good case for what they wanted or, you know, the fact that they diffused the situation so Mm -hmm. well, I just had to be like, you know what, that was really great. You know, like just really had to applaud them. Yeah. And I think it's important. I think it's important too, that they feel uh, safe enough to, to ask questions if they don't understand why a certain rule is in place or why it's being enforced or why, you know, sometimes our automatic response as a parent is to say no to some, to something that's being asked for. And I know that that was a, that was a gut check for me because I have, I have one child who's very much, um, up in his head and very, um, observant and astute. And he has no problem calling it out when he sees something that doesn't seem right. Right. And so he'll, and, and it's not from a place of being rude and it's not from a place of uh, disrespect or anything like that. It's genuine need to know why things are the way they are. And I love that about him. And I, I want to be more like him questioning everything in my life and myself and everything. So the fact that I have one of those in my house who, when I say no, without thought stops and makes me think, and, and sometimes there's a good reason for saying no. And another times they're not, and it's okay to change your mind. It doesn't mean that you're losing authority. It actually can, can be an opportunity to build trust where they feel safe asking questions, asking for more information, whether it changes the outcome or not. The process of that is just so powerful and trust building and confidence building for the kids as well. And then we as parents can learn a lot from that too. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you just reminded me too, actually of a situation with my younger, my older son, Dre, when he was, oh gosh, he was almost three. And because they start really young, (laughs) he'd ask me questions like, mommy, why are strawberries red? Why are horses tails long? Why, why? Like he had so many whys. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like Dre, I don't know. And he said to me, he goes, mom, you don't know anything, do you? <laughs> you know, or I'd say God made it that way. Actually, that's that usually, that's usually the teenager response. Mom, you yeah. don't know anything. <laughs> I was like my three-year-old here, you know, I was like, it wasn't even quite three. And, you know, so when I started, when I started say, I don't know. And then I graduated to God made it that way. He still gave me the same, you don't mm-hmm. know anything, do you? I thought, okay, well. I guess I don't. Let's just, you know, I, I don't know why strawberries are red. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And the, and the beautiful thing is we can find out, you know, yeah. there's even before the internet, there was libraries, there was, you know, there was things, okay, you really want to know, let's go find out yes. because I, I think I know, but maybe I don't let's find, you know, let's find out more information. So there's a, that's 
I think I, in all my years of customer service, that was probably the most effective thing I ever would say to a customer is, well, I don't know. I don't have that answer. Let me find out for you. Right. Yeah. So yeah, just being able, being able and open to, to learning, even as we are technically the authority in our kids' life. <laughs> exactly. And maybe that's what led to him, honestly, because my baby would read encyclopedias. Mm. You know, somebody gifted mm-hmm. us. <laughs> people don't even know what they are these days. But people, right. somebody, a family member gifted us the whole um, set of, of Britan- Encyclopedia Britannica. And at, when he was old enough to read, he would read the encyclopedia because he always had so many questions and his mm-hmm. mom never really had the answer. So I was just like, okay, well, here we are. We can find out the answers. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't need you, mom. I can figure it out myself. Yeah. And I said, okay. And then he would teach me. Right. You know, which was really cool. He's like, well, how can I teach you? You're my mom. I was like, listen, we learn from each other, right. <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I am asking my sons all the time to teach me what they know because <laughs> they know a lot. Yeah, they do. Awesome. So I have a question because you started, you know, like you said, with postpartum. So I'm just going to go back there just for a bit. How mm-hmm. did you find balance back then? You know, you had younger children and trying to find balance and caring for yourself and caring for babies. What did that look like? Oh, for my own balance. Um, well, that was that was basically the adventure of starting my own business was I had started the postpartum work um, in collaboration with another organization that was great and really supportive with my training and offering some opportunity. Um, But in the end, it became my own responsibility. If I was going to get work, if I was going to do work, I needed to figure it out. And I did. And being able to figure it out my way, I think was really what gave me that sense of balance. And, you know, balance is something that we're always having to tweak a little bit, having to adjust, right? We can't do all the things all the time. So it was, it was building my network of other moms who had little kids who could care for my babies while I went and helped a new family care for their baby. And it was just, again, opening myself up to realize that I didn't have to do everything alone, which is what I was teaching my clients about was you, it's really important to have some, someone you can rely on people who are in your corner, people who are on your team, who, who actually benefit from giving help from giving support because we, most people I know who I've talked to for any length of time they're very heart centered and want to help and want to do something for the betterment of humanity in some way. They want to care for their friend when they're hurt. They want to be there for their child and they want to, you know, they want to give of themselves. Cause I think that's just how we're so beautifully created to be. Mm-hmm. And when I really, I don't want to say learned, but it, because I knew it in my head, but when I really started to feel into what that actually meant to allow somebody else to help me, that's when I really was able to show up for my clients in this, in this whole new way. And it's a powerful thing because it's actually a gift to be able to serve somebody. 
And I didn't even realize that because we're so taught and conditioned to believe that we have to pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps Mm -hmm. and be independent and, and do all the things on our own. And I don't even know where that comes from, but it's not true. (laughs) Well, it, you know, and thank you for sharing that because it made me think, you know, there's actually, there's more strength in asking for help than not, Mm. right? Than sitting and wallowing in the, whatever it is you're, you know, whatever the situation is, it takes more strength to ask for help. And it's Mm -hmm. more empowering really, because you're, you're calling out, you're saying, okay, listen, I am struggling with this. I need your help. You know, can mm-hmm. you watch my child for an hour? Because if you allow somebody to watch your child for an hour, not only will they tell you something amazing that they learned about your child, that you were too busy and too tired to notice, mm-hmm. but it'll also give you that break, you know, right. so you can better show up for your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that was a big part of my balance was learning to open up, learning to ask and receive Cause it's one thing to ask and then to actually receive graciously. That's a whole other practice, a skill that some of us have forgotten and need to rebuild. So you're saying we go back to the village? Is that what you're mm. saying, Sarah? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might be something to that, Teresa. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is, it's extremely valuable. And I think, you know, a lot of the times when we, forget that, or we stop practicing that it's because we've asked for help in a situation and maybe didn't receive it, or maybe received it in a way that didn't feel good or didn't feel right. And I've experienced that myself and it has not served me to, you know, put up the barrier and, and the wall and say, okay, well, then I don't need to ask for help or I don't, I don't need to share what's really going on that doesn't serve me either. So it's, it is a balance between protecting ourselves from the people who maybe make us feel guiltier for asking or expect something in return or make it more transactional instead of, you know, giving and receiving from the love in our heart. So protecting ourselves from that, but not closing ourselves off completely from receiving the love that is coming from that genuine place. That is so huge. So, so huge. And thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, It just made me think of, you know, situations with me when I'd ask somebody something and they'd say, well, I can't today. And it, it hurt, you know, but I'm thinking, I don't know what their situation is. I don't know their reality. And it probably hurt because you were already at a breaking point. Exactly. Yeah. And it might've hurt because you were already at a place past where you really needed to ask. Because I think that's what we do to ourselves. We get to that point where it's like, we don't know how we're going to go on when we really should have asked, you know, five steps before that to, to avoid that from happening. So it's like putting your mask on before the plane starts to go down, mm. <laughs> you know, figure right. out, you know, that point where, okay, let me start, you know, let me work on this. And really that's from the very beginning. Self-care yeah. does not start in a vacuum. Self-care has to start early, you know, even before we become parents and Mm -hmm. continue because you get into that. But as a parent, you know, if you haven't started self-care, start today. And it doesn't have to be big either. It doesn't have to be a huge 
thing. It can be, you know, I'm going to feed myself before I feed my baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be very, very simple things, you know, and it's going to look different at each season of life as well. Self-care for a parent of a teenager is going to look very different than the self-care of a parent of a newborn. So that, that whole process evolves. And again, you said at the beginning, I'm doing all these things. Well, I didn't do, I didn't start out doing all the things I started out doing one thing. I started out doing, let me, let's be honest, like 25% of a thing. Like I didn't start (laughs) out with, with even one, it was like, okay, where can I grab five minutes? Where can I grab 10 minutes? And then, you know, you build on slowly. And I think that's really the key. Thank you. Honestly, that gave me goosebumps because I was like, okay, you know, where do you start? But like you said, five minutes, it doesn't have to be a long time. And five minutes can do so much for your mental health and give you more time on the back end when you take that five minutes initially. Oh yeah. When I started getting up earlier than my kids, it was a game changer because I, I didn't wait till the end of the day to get my, my time when I was already exhausted. I started getting up early and I, I was never, ever a morning person, but now I'm a morning person. So our, even our identities with that can change. And it was just, it just was just a matter of choice. I, I honestly get up literally like 10 minutes before my kids, but it makes a difference. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be huge. It's a matter of just making that choice that you're worth investing some time and energy in as well as your kids, your family, your job, whatever, whatever the things you have going on. Absolutely. And, you know, oh gosh, you said it, that self-care is actually not selfish, it's selfless and mm. not, and not, not caring for yourself is actually the selfish part because you're not availing your best self to mm-hmm. your child, to your family, because yeah. you're so tired, you're stressed, you're, you know, you haven't diffused, you know, like you said, you're always pouring out. You haven't allowed anybody to pour into you and so you're it not makes a different version of yourself, right? Yeah, it makes a difference, especially, you know, I, I work with teenagers now and, and families with teenagers, which, you know, you talk about being able to take that step and take that breath for yourself. I mean, teenagers are volatile, you know, they, it, it can be really important to remember that you, you have the choice to take a step back and take a breath before things escalate beyond where they can easily be repaired. I'm not going to say beyond repair because I think everything can be repaired. As long as we're still breathing, we still have another opportunity to repair our situation. Right. And yet sometimes, you know, you can't take back certain words or certain ways that you, your voice sounds, or, you know, those other high intense emotional situations. So if we can learn where our breaking point is and the warning signs well before we get there, then we have the opportunity to take a breath, understand that our kids are not doing this to us on purpose. (laughs) They are going through just as crazy, if not more crazy things in their minds than as we are. Mm -hmm. And we can give not only ourselves grace, to maybe not have all the answers in the moment of what to do when we're in a high emotion situation with our kids, with anybody else, 
and, and take that, that beat, take that pause, take that five minutes. Look, I need five minutes. Let's take a breath. And it, it is taking that time does a world of good because it stops us before we've gone too far. Definitely. And it's also modeling for our children, how to handle tough situations. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I just need five minutes, you know, to calm down to whatever it is, whatever language you use. And then they're like, oh, so we don't just blow up Mm -hmm. and say things and maybe potentially say things that we don't mean, but we're taking that time, you know, mom and dad, they're taking that time. So that shows me, okay, maybe this is how I need to handle future situations, especially as teenagers Mm -hmm. and friendships are so important and, you know, just everything, you know, they're navigating the friendships and the schools and the, you know, potential colleges and Mm -hmm. all of the things, all the relationships, huge decisions. Yes. And full of emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We won't even talk about the hormones. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) That's a whole other, like that, that we can talk for hours on that. I feel like I could talk for, for hours with you, Teresa. You're great. (laughs) I feel the same. (laughs) Yeah, this is a, this is a fantastic conversation and, and a lot of really, really important takeaways. So I hope you, I hope you're taking notes, making the bullet points. (laughs) Yes, I hope they are too. I mean, I am, um, I got my paper right here. And I get to listen to it again um, and again. So what is the biggest takeaway you would want for parents to have? Oh, oh, which season? I think, I think we've, we've pretty much hammered it that you are just as valuable and worthy of love and attention as your kids and that to be a good parent, you have to show up and be a good human. And if you're not working to be the kind of person that you want your kids to look up to, then start doing something different if you're not doing it already, which I know most parents, they want to, they want to be the best influence possible that they can be. And if if you're not sure if you're doing it, talk to somebody else, talk to it, get a mom's group get some outside perspective because I am a hundred percent positive that you are doing more than you think you are. That is often the case. I've seen it because I went to work with the parent with parents yesterday and they were like, Oh, we don't. And they just, you know, their son is two and he's non-vocal and you know, they're like, Oh, we don't know what to do. I said, well, what are you doing? Oh, well, we're, you know, we're looking into ASL. We're just like, you are doing a lot, but when Mm. you're in it, you don't really see what you're doing. And I remember my friend, Bev, she was the one who was my, you know, like my person from the outside, always saying, okay, yes, you did this really well. And let's work on that. You know, it's always important to have that person. And then when that person feeds into you, not to be offended by it, because, you know, they're doing it from a place of love mm-hmm. and um, they're just trying to help you out. Cause I know, again, like you said, when we take too long to get that help, we're already on the edge and anything could throw us off. <laughs> right. And it's hard to receive it. And if it's, if it's denied at that point, then it hurts even more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, recognizing the warning signs, I think is huge. And, and you said it too, being able to take feedback and even feedback from your own kids. Mm-hmm. 
I think is really important because again, it shows them that their voices matter. It shows them that they're safe to express themselves or express, you know, comment on what they see, even if it's maybe what you might consider a flaw. I don't think I don't talk about flaws, but you know, even if it's hard to, hard to hear, if you really ask, well, who's this coming from and why are they saying what they're saying? And if you really look inward to yourself, you, you'll find some deeper level of understanding of who you are and of who you actually want to be and be, be intentional about it. Yes. Yes. So true. I, you know, there was one point where, and I don't know why we fell away from it. My boys and I would have meetings and they would have to rate me as a parent. I would ask them, like, how did I do, you know, this week as a parent? How, what, what do I need to do to be a better mom for you? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I was going through my own personal, you know, ups and downs and everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want, I wasn't sure that I was, you know, if I was really showing up for them. So I would ask them, what can I do? What do I need to do to be better? And there are times we take drives. And on the way, we'd laugh, we'd cry, they'd sleep, they'd wake up, we'd laugh, we'd cry, they'd sleep. And, you know, but those Mm -hmm. were really fun times because we really got to know each other in those moments. That was great. Um, Yeah, be careful asking that question because the the kids will tell you. (laughs) They will. Children are so honest. They are so, and you can't. And especially if you've cultivated that, that environment of trust between you, which, you know, hopefully, hopefully all your listeners do. Yes. Yes. And yeah, don't be, don't take it personally though. When you, cause you ask a question, children, their filters are, you know, they haven't been on this earth as long as we have. Mm -hmm. So they don't have the filters that we do and embrace that though. Don't take Mm -hmm. it personally and don't be offended by it. Actually be honored by it, that your child was honest enough with you, you know, cause my sons would say things to me, just share things with me that, you know, their friends didn't think. And then, you know, my, they would be like, you told your mom that, I mean, they were always mm-hmm. respectful, but certain things they mm-hmm. share with me that their friends never thought they would. And they're like, yeah, that's my mom. And I'd be like, I can just die right now. You know, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> right. Lord, yeah, that's something I way. really want. Yeah. Exactly. As well for my sons so, please to be able understand. to talk. Yes. And I just want to say, please understand, I was not perfect. I, there were so many things because I told my son even recently, if I knew then what I know now, I would be like an amazing, I'd be a killer mother. I would be so like, I would have hit it out the park. Yeah. We learned that really fast. We were the best moms ever before we had kids. Yes. Best. We were perfect. We did all the right things before we actually had a live human baby in our lives. That's right. And then you're like, oh gosh, I don't want to drop them. I don't want to this. I don't want to this. And then you get too careful. And then, you know, it just, it's like, Mm -hmm. again, there's that balance. You've got to be careful enough yet allow them the autonomy that they need to discover who they are because that's our job is to set them up for their own success exactly so Sarah tell us real quick in like about a minute or so what is your work with teenagers today so I I do life coaching with teenagers so I talk to teenagers about a half an hour at a time and we'll unpack things about life, future, what's going on, friends, relationships, parents, family, whatever, whatever's top of mind. And it's just really great because I can help them see a different perspective. I can support their parents by pouring in values, vision, 
you know, future setting up for success, the kind of thing that, that we as parents definitely want our, our kids to, to move forward on. And it's similar or the same type of supportive information that parents might want to instill yet. It's not coming from mom or dad during a time where teens are separating more and more resistant to the advice and guidance of mom and dad. So that's something that's just, it's really fun to do. I also support the parents. If the parents have certain questions or uh, things, communication tools that they might benefit from learning or using, I can also do that and support the parents because sometimes the teens are resistant to coaching and that's, that's fine. But I find that they're more open to coaching than like therapy or counseling, which is, you know, it's valuable in a different way, but the teens I work with, they're high achieving, they're ambitious. They have a huge, huge laundry list of opportunities in front of them, but are feeling pressured and anxious about actually choosing one. So I, I help them get really clear on what their passions are, what their, you know, what, what they really want to do and who they want to be when they, when they grow up and do the whole adulting thing. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. And Hey, people go to sarahdeacon.com to find out more. Okay. Get, get in touch with Sarah, set up a free discovery call and let her help you because teenagering is really difficult and um, let's help them get there. So thank you so much, Miss Sarah. Thank you, Teresa. And hopefully we'll see you again. Yeah, I'd love it. Okay, awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.